0: It's great to be speaking this morning, by the way. Uh, you know, for the last couple of weeks, I've enjoyed going to church with you, and it really has been fun. Pastor Kelly did a great job a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about uh, what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Last week, Mike and Mindy did a great message on uh, loving your enemies and and praying for those who have wounded you or, or hurt you. It's an excellent message if you weren't able to be here, it's a great one for you to go online and watch or listen to uh, on our website. This morning, I'm going to continue on in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, We're in a series together, by the way, if you're you're visiting this morning, we're in a series entitled A New King and a New Kingdom. And uh, we're taking that from a description that Matthew gives us of all of Jesus' ministry and all of his messages. It's uh, recorded Matthew 14, uh, excuse me, Matthew 4, verse 17, as Jesus launched his ministry. It, it, Matthew said, from that time forward, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can we say that together? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his message. That was the message of all of his teachings. This is kind of a summary of what Jesus was saying. Now, I don't know about you, but you know, what did he mean by that? I mean, what, what's the kingdom of God? What's this new kingdom all about? Do you know that Jesus uses the phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, more than 50 times just recorded in the book of Matthew alone? That's twice every chapter. Uh, of of the book of Matthew. And so, you know, one of the questions you have to ask yourself, what is the kingdom of God all about? Well, thank you for asking. Um, You know, you actually have to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2 to understand uh, Jesus uh, communicating here. So, uh, I'm going to read a couple of verses in Genesis 1. You're welcome to go there if you'd like. Uh, Genesis 1, verse 1 through 5. But, you know, I think we miss it a little bit when we read the book of Genesis, we read the creation story, and unfortunately, we, we read it from a Western, scientific, exploratory mindset. And yet, it is, it's written as a celebration of what God did in creation. It's written as a song of celebration to the Lord. And in it, in the Hebrew language is a description of the royal majesty of God. How how God formed this universe and the beauty of all we see out of darkness and chaos. Let me read it to you. Uh, Genesis chapter one, uh, verse one through five says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless And empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said let there be light now there needs to be a symbol crash right there just a celebration and God said let there be light and there was light and God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from darkness and God called the light day and the darkness night, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. And as you go on to read, you see this rhythmic, poetic song of celebration of how almighty God formed a new kingdom out of the darkness with his craftsmanship and his wisdom and his ability And as you read down through all the different stanzas, you come to the end about verse uh, 28 or 29, and you see at the pinnacle of this amazing, poetic, playful, royal, majestic story of the majesty of God's power and his love, he creates human beings at the pinnacle of his creation. And he places them to rule over all that he's made to manage it and cultivate it and make it more awesome than it already is. And God is delighted in what he's done to the point where he not only says it's good, but he says it's what? Very good. And then he says, now, you that I've created, go for it. Be fruitful, multiply, knock yourself out. Be delighted in all that I've made. That literally is what's happening uh, in, in those verses. Unfortunately, if you go on to chapter three, what did we do with the kingdom and the creation and the glory that he allowed us to be part of? The freedom and the delight in all he made. Well, unfortunately, we saw it as an opportunity to rule ourselves we saw it as an opportunity to, to take advantage and to use it for our own benefit. We, we decided not to trust God or trust his motives. We didn't trust God's definition of right and wrong. We decided to rewrite our own moral values and we decided to revi- rewrite our own moral truths. Does that sound familiar to anyone? See, that's our nature. It's been our nature since the fall, since the beginning in Genesis chapter three. We've been trying to rewrite the image of God and rewrite the truths about who God is and tried to rewrite our own description of worship and our own description of God's moral truth and moral values. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was God, I probably would have done something like and start it over again. I don't know about you, but I'm just not that patient. But God didn't give up on us. And when you continue to read through the Old Testament, one of the things you see is how God, so faithful in compassion and loyal love, that's his nature. God so faithfully trying to bring his people back to him and of course i can't take time to explain all the different times that he reached out to mankind and even though we continued to reject him and return to our own ways and rewrite our own moral values and our own way that we would live in our kingdom for our purpose and for our glory god kept the hope alive throughout the psalms and throughout the prophets He declared one day a king would come, a Messiah would be born, and that there would be a new king and a new kingdom that would rule and reign for all eternity. So we know the story, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus was born, and of course here in uh, Matthew uh, 4, he begins his ministry declaring, repent, Believe the good news, the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, the word repent, by the mean by the way, means stop the way you're going. Turn around and return to God. Could we say that together? Stop the way you're going. Turn around and return back to God and to his rulership in our lives and his lordship in our lives and his moral values and his way of thinking. That's, that's really what Jesus' message was all about. Now, we all know of his love, we know of his mercy and his compassion, but the foundation of everything he did and everything he said had to do with repentance. Stop going the direction you're going, turn around, and come back to God and come under his rulership and his lordship in our lives. Now, in chapter five, six, and seven, he begins to teach uh, those who are beginning to uh, follow him about what the kingdom of God is like, uh, how we can be happy like God intended us to be in the beginning when he created all things, how we can experience his love and his blessing and his goodness. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, blessed are those who recognize their need for God, who've turned from trying to fashion their own kingdom in their life to rewrite their own moral values. Blessed are the uh, poor in spirit who are humble enough to turn and to come back to God. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are not people who are weak, but they're people who've laid aside their strength and their power to rely on God's strength and God's power. How many know nothing is impossible with him? Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. So when you walk out of here this morning, look out over this valley, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for, for they shall see God. Blessed are those who want to see God glorified again on earth. Blessed are those who care about what God thinks and what God wants them to do and are willing to resolve conflicts and forgive others' sins the way God forgives them. They keep their heart pure because they want God to be glorified. Blessed are the pure in heart, totally delighted, totally happy, totally satisfied in life. Blessed are the pure in heart for, for they shall see God. How many think that sounds like a different kingdom than the kingdoms in this world? that we're uh, living among. Blessed are those who love their enemies and pray for those who have hurt them or betrayed them or or wounded them. Uh, so many amazing messages in this section of scripture. And this morning, we get to talk a, a little bit about Jesus. Uh, he, he talks about material things. He, he talks about managing our money. He, he, he talks about god's attitude in regard to finances what does it look like when you return to god's rule over your finances this is a difficult area area for all of us how many know that's an area we want to rule we don't want anyone else to push our buttons there or control us in that area of our life and the reason why is because satan has taught us not to trust god's motives not to trust God's care and, and not to trust his love for our lives. Now, now, that's what he did in the beginning with Adam and Eve. He said, God, uh, Satan said, God is withholding from you. If, if you want pleasure, if you want wisdom, it's okay to do what he told you not to do. Rewrite your own moral values. Rewrite your own moral code. And if you want to continue in the direction you want to go, then control your own kingdom. Hold on to your financial pursuits and your vision for wealth and satisfaction in this life. But but if you want to return to God and return to his rule, it's going to require learning to think a little differently about the material aspects and the financial aspects of our life. How many know that materialism is a huge part of the society we live in today? I mean, we are barraged with images of material constantly just on the internet or certainly on television, the different commercials that we see. How many believe God cares about our money? He really does. He cares a lot about our needs being met. But there's a huge difference between our needs and our greeds. (laughs) <laughs> Is it okay for me to say that? I mean, I'm not trying to point the finger at anybody. Uh, you know, I'm as greedy as the next person. And, you know, when I came to Jesus, the most difficult area uh, in my life was was trying to surrender uh, my goals and my uh, vision, if you want to call it that, my pursuit of being wealthy and satisfied and significant and totally independent from needing Anyone or anything certainly not needing God in my life I was a self-made self-centered man trying to manage my own kingdom and I'm so thankful Jesus came to set the captives free you're richer than you think let me say that again you're richer than you think you're a child of God. If you've come to Christ, you're going to inherit the earth. That's a 401K that a 401K that you know Fidelity can't provide. I mean, Jesus came to set the captives free, and uh, He wants to free us from our fears, and He wants to free us from the pressure within us to try to control and hold on to what we have. So let me. Uh, Read his verses, uh, his words, beginning in verse 19 of Matthew chapter 6. He says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is. Your heart will be also let me say it again for where your treasure is could we just read that verse together for where your treasure is your heart will be also verse 22 the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light within you is darkness how great is that darkness no one can serve two masters Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And uh, that word money there, actually in some of your translations uses the word mammon. It's actually the Greek word for an idol that was part of the surrounding cultures uh, near Israel at that time in history. It was an idol of materialism. You, You cannot serve both God and mammon. Or money verse 25 therefore I tell you do not worry about your life I love Jesus compassion do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air <laughs> uh, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns yet your Heavenly Father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they are Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? I have nothing to wear. Why do you worry about clothes? (laughs) See how the flowers of the field grow? Uh, They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these... If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And could we all say amen to that? <laughs> Each day has enough trouble. Of its own. You know, I think all of us, at least a time or two, have thought, you know, if I had a little more money, life would be a lot easier. Is anyone in my camp on that? You know, if I could just win the lottery. So, so how much is enough? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, how much is enough? Um, J.D. Rockefeller, many of you are familiar with in history. He was the richest man in the world back at the turn of the 20th century. I think he lived from 1865 to about 1915. You know, at his time in history, he had more money than Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates, and Warren Buffett altogether. He was amazing wealthy one time a reporter asked him how much money is enough you know what his answer was just a little bit more (laughs) just a little bit more I don't know if you've ever felt that way just just a little bit more I think we all know money by itself is not evil it's first Timothy uh, 6 verse 10 that said it's the love of money that is the roots of all sorts of evil As American consumers, uh, we're never satisfied. I I don't know why it is. There's always something new, always something shiny. I I did a little research uh, just trying to come up some ideas of the way we think as a culture in America. And let me me read this quote I took from one of the articles I read. It says, Many uh, in American society value money and possessions as the sum total Of their entire life. Success is determined by the quantity or quality of possessions. Their consumer mindset has transformed their outlook, uh, social relationships, and image, a self-image of uh, typical citizens in America today. And and that's so true. Now, I I realize we, we don't probably fit in that Category, But did you know that one out of ten uh, people in America rent off-site storage for all their stuff? Is there more than ten here? I, I'm not trying to pick on you, but some of us have stuff. Maybe it's related to your job or something, but we have so much stuff that we have to rent off-site. St- I just moved, by the way, so I, I understand this really, really well. Um, Vox Magazine is a sewing magazine. I'm sure you've never read it. I certainly haven't, but you know what it says? The average person in America gives away 70 pounds of clothing a year. 70 pounds. You know how much that is? That's 191 T-shirts. So, you know, I don't know how many you have, but that just seems like a lot. I mean, uh, many many of you know six years ago, um, we started something here in our church called Christmas Conspiracy. And on that uh, that particular year, I read something to you that I thought was astronomical, that America as a nation, we spend $600 billion at Christmas time. 600 billion, now that was six years ago, so now it's gotta be close to a trillion or maybe even more. And in contrast, I shared with you that year that a third of the people in the world live on less than $3 a day in income and they don't have any fresh water to drink. And, uh, and for only $10 billion, we could provide fresh water for the entire third world countries, villages, all the people that don't have fresh water to drink around the world. Now, when I shared those statistics, I don't know about you, but there was some righteous indignation in me because I thought to myself, that is not right. We're celebrating a holiday where God emptied himself of all his royal privilege, was born a human being uh, in a stable, by the way, and Mary and Joseph, his parents, laid him in a feeding trough of animals as a bassinet, and and yet, as human beings, we've improved on God's plan. And uh, we've turned uh, a very sacred season into just a holiday of consumerism, online shopping and Black Friday sales. It's just just amazing what we've done. And I, I don't know about you, but that just, as a church, uh, you'll remember we, I'm, just in a matter of days, we raised $15,000 to put in a fresh water system for a village in Guatemala. We did some research and, and found out that uh, Guatemala was one of the poorest uh, worlds, uh, portions of it in, in, in the uh, poorest countries in the world. And and uh, we picked a particular village that didn't have any fresh water. And uh, many of us went down there. It was a village called La Oscarana and I think that year you gave about $40,000 to help with uh, the rebuilding of that village, and uh, you know, we helped with schools, and we provided junior high and high school, and just did a lot of things down there with the people there, and we've been doing that for uh, now about, s- about six years, and it's such a blessing for me to be a part of that, to uh, be able to give with you, to, the needs of different people in different countries of the world as well as here in Klamath Falls we've we've helped support other uh, ministries in Klamath Falls uh, Pregnancy Hope Center or the Gospel Mission or some of the other different ministries and I, I'm sorry I'm not really prepared with names uh, for all of those we helped with uh, last year with a ministry that's helping uh, women who are being trafficked uh, in, in, in Indonesia and so uh, there's just been a lot of ways that we have raised money and we want to do that again this year but the but the reason is not to raise money. Uh, the reason is to help us with the greed in our hearts. How many know the only way to deal with greed is to learn to give we've've got to we we've, we've got we, to come back to to God's rulership and and we've got to submit to his lordship and we've got to begin to see from his perspective the the, the way we're to live and the only way for us to deal with the brokenness and the greediness in our lives is, and and the fear by the way, because the anyone, the enemy is the one who oppresses you and presses you and tells you you're not gonna have enough. (laughs) you need to panic here Uh, and he's the one who makes us afraid and the only way we learn to do spiritual battle against some of the things that we fight in our life is is by learning to give to the Lord so uh, let me read Matthew 6 verse 19 through 21 again here's Jesus words and when I read these think about the way he lived remember the guy who ran up to jesus and said i want to be one of your followers and jesus said great foxes have holes and birds have nests but the son of man has no place to lay his head remember that remember the way jesus lived so so here's what jesus said matthew 6 19 through 21 he said do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal but but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moss and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, every time you give an offering when you come to church or maybe online when you pay your bills uh, through Pushpay or at our website or whatever, every time you give an offering uh, to the Lord, you're making an investment in eternity. You're laying up treasure in heaven. You're helping our church, whether you attend this church or maybe you're visiting from another one today, you're helping make an investment in eternity for the lives of people who are being touched and the lives of people who hear the gospel, the lives of people who are becoming disciples and people that we're being ministered to. Every time you partner with an outreach that uh, our church is doing or another ministry uh, here in the United States, uh, you, you're, you're, you're partnering uh, with uh, God's heart uh, to reach the world with the gospel, whether it's Christmas conspiracy or just helping our kids go to camp so that we can kind of sponsor kids who, whose parents maybe aren't involved and, and can't help with the financial need to go to camp. Uh, one of the areas I don't talk about that I need to more often you know, our church is part of a larger denomination uh, called Foursquare. We're part of the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. Uh, one of the reasons I don't talk about it is I don't have time to say it in the sermon. But anyway, it's, it's a big name. <laughs> International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. You know, some of you are money managers and you care about where your money goes. You need to know uh, that Foursquare is one of the most effective churches per dollar. In reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ in the world, for every eight dollars, eight bucks, for every eight dollars you give, someone gets saved. Eight bucks. Can you believe that? Eight bucks for ev- for. I, I, that's a good deal. <laughs> I mean, that is a good deal. I, i've i've been given to four square missions for probably 40 years because i can't not how, how can you not eight dollars and and so i i apologize that i don't i don't lead you better you know, in the area of of giving and helping uh reach uh, people for the gospel of jesus christ every time you do you're laying up treasure in heaven and you're investing in eternity, and you're also winning a spiritual battle in your life, because giving takes faith, doesn't it? Aren't we all a little afraid? Okay, the pastor's going to talk about giving. I think I'm going on vacation that Sunday. I mean, I don't know about you. If I would advertise, you probably wouldn't have come uh, today. But it, it takes faith. It's it, it takes courage. We, we have to trust God. We have to examine. What am I doing with my money? Why, why don't I have any? You know, the average American has $13,000 on credit card debt right now. How do you pay that off? I mean, really? In America, we don't live according to our budget. We live above. And I, I'm not criticizing that. Uh, I, all of us have been there. At least I have. I've been there, done that, and bought the shirt, okay? so, And I gave it away, by the way. But uh, we've all been there. And so there's just this pressure within our society to always, you can say, if I just made more, and then as soon as you make more, you'll push the standard of living up to that level, won't you? And then just a little above that, isn't that the way? And until we learn to live beneath our means, and until we learn to honor the Lord and deal with greed uh, by learning to give, it's just tough it's a spiritual battle our money is not just physical uh, it's spiritual and of course Satan is there uh, challenging us all the time now in the Old Testament God taught the nation of Israel to tithe in other words he said I want you to give 10% of all your income to me and the reason why he taught the nation of Israel that, was because he wanted to teach them that they were not the ones who were providing for themselves, but that God was the one who had delivered them from their enemies and that God was the one who had led them into the land and who had blessed them and who was providing for them. And he said, for your sake, I'm teaching you to honor me and to put me first and to worship uh, me through giving a tithe, and you know, I don't know about you, that's one thing to hear, maybe from the priest or Moses or whoever said it, but I'm a little greedy, and I don't know about you, I just kind of have a way of trying to work my way out of that, and and of course, some of the people in Israel did. They tried to figure out maybe how they could get tithe on sale. (laughs) They're Jews, you know, but anyway. Sorry, David. <laughs> A discount, you know. So some of them were supposed to, they're supposed to bring their best ram. They were supposed to bring their best sheep as an offering to the Lord. But some of them would slip in their blind or diseased animals and and sheep and... Uh, Unfortunately, because we are greedy, uh, there was that sense of self-righteousness and yet not really having a heart behind what they did. And and so uh, in Malachi chapter 3, uh, verse 8 through 10, uh, the prophet Malachi says, "'Will you as mere mortals rob God?' And you say, "How are you robbing me by not bringing your tithe and offering to the Lord?" And then verses that I'll have uh, Sonia put up: uh, Malachi 10 verse, uh, excuse me, 3 verse 10 and 11 says, "Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse." that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be no more room enough to, to store it. Not room enough to store it. I will rebuke the devourer. Do you see the spiritual battle here? I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your land money is not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. And our attitude toward money, it's not its not just a physical thing, but it is a spiritual thing. And Satan uh, wants to oppress us. He wants us to keep us captive. He wants us to be afraid. And there's something powerful when we stand against him and step out in faith in our life. And Honor the Lord with tithes and offerings. Let me read verse 11 again. It says, and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. God cares about your money. He wants to deliver you from the oppression uh, that we go through sometimes financially. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of the land. Now, uh, many of us here in the room this is uh, kind of like i'm preaching to the choir uh, this is something you've been doing for a long time and you've seen the lord's blessing in your life in fact you feel like i have more than i ever would have had if i would have kept it it's like the lord has poured out blessing until there's no more need and if that's you in the room for my sake would you just raise your hand and say i've seen god do exceeding abundantly above all i could ask or think it's really amazing how it works. I don't understand it. I'm not that smart. But, you know, when you talk about generosity, it creates a lot of fear. And I'm so thankful for Jesus because I want to read this last section where Jesus talks about worry, uh, if I could before we go. And in a few minutes, I'll have the worship team come on out. Here's what Jesus says in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life what you will eat or drink or about your body what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes look at the birds of the air you've got to see he's preaching out on the hillside right now it's the sermon on the mount so it's a kind of a slope on the northern part of the sea of galilee but look at the birds of the air they don't sow or reap or store away in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not much more valuable than they can anyone of you by worrying at a single hour uh, to your life. How many have ever heard the phrase, free as a bird? You gotta see these birds, you know, there's one in a shrub and he flies. Have you ever seen a bird hang on to just a stalk of grass? I mean, they can literally just, they're hanging on to that here. And and they're just, they're free. I mean, they're singing songs and uh, that's, the image that uh, God wants us to have in regard to uh, history. I've never seen a bird stressed out on Prozac. I mean, I just, you know, <laughs> chewing their nails. Uh, <laughs> I, I uh, it says in Psalms 37, verse 25, I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. God is far more committed to our finances and our financial needs than we could ever think or imagine. He's good, and he cares for us. Verse 28, and why do you worry about clothes? Uh, See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin, and yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and thrown Tomorrow, thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Uh, So don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? By the way, he's speaking to people that were very poor, people that were blind, diseased. These are lower middle class, if not just poverty. This crowd that had gathered around were, were people who didn't have food. And to be honest, the only clothes they had was the clothes they were wearing. And yet he's saying, if uh, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, uh, we will not will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you have little faith. So don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your Heavenly fathers knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I'm gonna invite the worship team to come on up and...